are listening to Graphic Novel Explorers Club Podcast, an audio book club. Greetings, Explorers. For this year's Halloween special, we dissect Daphne Byrne by writer Lowell Marks and artist Kelly Jones. We hope you've read today's title because there will be spoilers. Graphic Novel Explorers Club is available wherever fine podcasts are found. So be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen to the show. That's right, Explorers. We're back with our Halloween special. What is this, like our third or fourth one? Uh, Something like that, yeah. Yeah. We started off with Halloween, and then we realized, oh, we should do a Christmas special. And these were all born out of the fact that uh, Dennis and I grew up in the 80s we were kids in the 80s and that's when i think that was like the golden age of holiday specials they kind of started in the 60s but i feel like the 80s they like everything had a holiday special absolutely Uh, and honestly in some ways my kids don't understand the struggle of like oh they advertise the halloween special for friday so we need to make sure we watch it like everything (laughs) i've shown them has already been on dvd yeah streaming stream it so no one ever misses anything yeah. And so they always like, oh, yeah, OK, we're going to watch it. Yeah, I remember one one year we didn't get home in time to watch the Charlie Brown Halloween special. And I was like, no. <laughs> and I remember my mom was like, you know, Linus never sees <laughs> the the great pumpkin. She ne- He never it's the same thing every year. I was like, I know, but it's once a year, mom. And she's like, well, next year you can watch it. Which side note. When there, there, there's got to be like a special in between where because it's not the Thanksgiving special where Linus goes from being, you know, into witchcraft and believing in the great pumpkin. But then he becomes a Jesus freak and suddenly is <laughs> super into Christmas. So, like, <laughs> there's got to be a point where, like, I don't know, someone came to well, him door to door. I think I think Linus is he's a child and he's just exploring all possibilities. So right. he's he's both accepting of the occult and jesus and probably later in life he realized a lot of christianity came out of the occult so right <laughs> but yeah, yeah props linus to linus story. <laughs> yeah you props say, to Alfred? linus for being the og occult expert because that yeah. was the first time i ever heard about any kind of great pumpkin or anything other than candy so i was like oh there's more <laughs> stuff to this yeah but yeah so getting getting back on track here sorry folks for uh the, our little segue into uh my shattered childhood our comic book today is Daphne Byrne, written by Laura Marks. Artist is Kelly Jones, and it's published by uh, DC Black Label. And I didn't realize that DC had shut down Vertigo mm-hmm. and now has Black Label uh, right. as sort of their adult adult publishing arm. So I was like, that's kind of a bummer, because, I mean, Vertigo had a good run there with, like, oh, Why yeah. the Last Man, Fables is Vertigo, right? They had all sorts of stuff, and I was like, oh, that's... I guess I guess they wanted the DC name attached to the publishing arm. I guess. Yeah, it's it's always been. It was kind of like how uh, New Line Cinema was technically Disney, but they, you know, there were certain things that they published underneath New Line Cinema. Touchstone. 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 Was, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, that's what I meant. But uh, yeah, I don't know why they t- they shut down Virgo. I haven't kept up to date with some of the publishing bits because I know, like specifically, this one was a subsidiary black label, like it's Hill House Comics which is like a, a sub-label of 
the main DC Black Label comics itself. Speaking about the author, the author, this is her first attempt at a comic book writing. She's typically known for playwriting as well as TV writing. The main show I think she works on currently is The Good Fight, which is a spinoff of The Good Wife, which is definitely not a horror series in any respect. Kelly Jones, fantastic artist, known for a lot of horror comics for DC. And funny enough, you bring up how um, we started doing Halloween comics, Johnny. His short miniseries, Batman Red Rain, was what I wanted to introduce to the podcast. and We still haven't covered it because we keep covering other D- uh, Batman comics. So we don't want to do too many uh, Batman comics in one season. But his Red Rain series, which is basically Batman versus Dracula, Whoa. is one of my favorite comics. So that uh, they've amazing. sort of adapted it. That sounds amazing. It also sounds like a oh, yeah, no, it is. spooky season yeah. reading. Yeah, we should definitely cover Red Rain. It's only well, like and four he, issues. He contributed the art to several uh, stories within Sandman, too. Oh, yeah. For no Swamp Game Thing, so. all yeah, sorts Swamp of stuff. Thing. And you, I, you, obviously, the man is very well skilled. And he has a certain style. I don't think it would work for everything. It definitely has a more macabre look to it. So I don't think you know, you're know you going to find him doing... Well, no, I, I stand corrected. He did do an issue of Lobo versus Roadrunner. So I was going to say he doesn't do anything <laughs> lighthearted. But, you know, he did Lobo versus Roadrunner. And I doubt that's very dark. We, we need to check that out for the summer special. <laughs> Laura and Kelly are both award-winning in their in their genre or their fields. She's won a pin award for her, some plays that she wrote or a play she wrote. And then Kelly Jones won an Eisner for his, his artwork. So both very talented people at, uh, straight up at the front. I love the art for this comic book. It reminded mm-hmm. me, the, the uh, cross-hatching style, just his line work reminded me of like all the creepy comics from the 80s, like, mm-hmm. like Tales from the Crypt and stuff like that. For Creep Show, he did the comic book for right. the Raft story, which was, I guess they, he was specifically asked to do that. So, And then the Hill Comics label is from Joe Hill, who's the son of Stephen King, who you know, obviously introduced him probably to uh, a lot of those like Tales from the Crypt sort of comics. I've read two of Joe Hill's books and they were really good. One was Horns, which they mm-hmm. turned into a movie starring uh, Harry Potter. Right. And then, because I can't think of his real name. And, uh, and then, <laughs> That's his real name. No. <laughs> <laughs> he had it legally changed. Yeah. And then uh, Nosferatu, but it's it's like a license plate spelling. About the same. It's it's the hip hop Nosferatu. It's 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 N O S four A two. It's the license plate on his. Actually, that would be a good password. I wonder if it is the the antagonist in the story ever used the internet, which I seriously doubt he did. But no, but the two books that I read from Joe Hill were really good, and I think Horns was turned into a movie, and then Nosferatu was turned into a TV series that wasn't that good. So, yeah, so our story uh, takes place in the late 19th century in uh, New York, correct? Did I? Yes. And it concerns a young woman named Daphne Byrne, the title character. Her father has passed away, and her mother and, and, and Daphne are both grieving his loss. But her mother turns to a, a medium to speak to her dad, which was quite common back then. There was another book I read, and I can't think of the title, that was about this, like how they preyed upon. Uh, it was a nonfiction book about how this this was a thing back at the turn of the century, sort of this blend of like parlor tricks and and mm-hmm. getting people to um, to believe that they're they these mediums could talk to their family members. 
yeah, and that's kind of the basis of the story with a touch of, uh, I'd say, the omen in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not really quite sure if it's just in her head or if it's actual supernatural elements because some of the supernatural elements are, this is actually a trope I always like, where there's con artists who make you believe that there's supernatural elements, but then actual supernatural elements come out and kill them. That's usually <laughs> yeah. a trope I love in horror films. Yeah. <laughs> comeuppance. Yes. Supernatural comeuppance. Although I remember a lot uh, of, like you were talking about, Johnny, how this was common back then. I remember reading a lot or seeing a lot of TV shows where this was kind of a, a common plot element where people would try to trick people into talking with the dead and the you know their past husbands or, or daughters and they're so desperate to speak with them they'll they'll spend any amount of money and and you know it i i remember thinking about that when i first went to the haunted mansion at, at disneyland because there's the madam and the crystal ball and all that kind of stuff and how it was supposed to be fake but it's not you know so yeah i remember a lot of that although i do wonder i, I don't know if you guys ever wonder this you know whenever they do some kind of gaslight victorian kind of story like i never understood exactly how much because this plays into basically the final part of the story how how the gas is actually funneled into the houses like is it just like a little reserve that each house has or is it like a main pipeline because it seems extremely dangerous to have all that gas whatever type it is to light your house if if it could just be so flammable so easily well i don't think that mm -hmm. was i think that was uh Skipping way ahead, I think that was Daphne release or the devil releasing poisonous gas from oh. hell. I don't think that oh. was released by the medium and like the uh, occult group. Well, that I was thought the, I thought she the just devil killing the, all them. I thought it was the equivalent of like letting the gas run on a stove, and then they represented it to be you know more oh. hellish. But I wasn't sure like exactly how that worked. Like in real life how they, they gas-powered these homes, because it seems... Well, I don't know. I mean, I have gas-powered stoves in my own house, so I and guess... gas-powered butt. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm going to make a lot of money off of that. <laughs> uh, uh, I perceived it the same as Johnny. I thought it was just, like, a supernatural gas, but I think you might mm -hmm. be right. Like, it, there was the implication that it was actually part of the household, which is which is a pretty cool spooky touch. And I don't actually think that it's that hard to kill people with gas in your house. Like, even right. just with a no. gas stove, it's super dangerous. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it was a combination, to be honest, of both those. It was, it was a practical yeah. that there was a gas valve, but then also it was like sort of like the demons like spreading the gas a little but, more. But they yeah. would drop absinthe or something like that Well, into the mom's tea yeah. to get her mm -hmm. to like, trip and and knock out and you know pass out mm -hmm. something like that it was some sort of tincture well they chloroformed her at one point it seemed like yeah, they were when, doing yeah. all kinds of things to her yeah yeah Come they on. chloroformed her when uh they're like she's on to us just fucking yeah. knock her ass out <laughs> right uh our, our characters in the story are uh daphne Byrne, the the title character her her mother mrs Byrne, nani or noni the uh family servant mrs swathmore who's the the medium that Mrs. Burns goes to see. And then Mr. Fleming, who is accomplice of Mrs. Swarthmore. And then Mr. Brooke, a man who is like kind of like the amazing Kreskin who goes around disproving clairvoyance and other mm -hmm. supernatural claims. And then uh, Daphne's quote unquote brother, which um, was problematic for me because he kept telling her he was her brother, but then they seemed to have like this romantic interest in each other. 
I, I it know. felt more like sexual interest than romantic, like a, like a lust, kind of like abusive, codependent, like lust type of thing going on. But yeah, it was very gross, especially considering yeah. that they were I calling each other yeah, brother. <laughs> exactly. I think that just added to this layer of like almost, I don't know, uh, Clive Barker, Cthulhu kind of horror where it's this like forbidden lust and this well, grotesque. It, was, it reminded me of the, um, what's the movie with Keanu and... Um, the devil's Ooh, ah. Constantine? Uh, yeah. where he plays a devil lawyer oh yeah. the devil's advocate yes, yeah devil's you. advocate <laughs> i like devil lawyer they should have titled that <laughs> devil lawyer. coming this fall from universal studios devil lawyer um, <laughs> but where he basically ended up having sex with his own sister and right the, you know maybe that's a thing that the devil likes to see happen uh in family reunions is like oh yeah these are my this is my son and my daughter. They're also together. Like, together, together? Yeah, together. It's, it, look, in our culture, this is accepted that um, devil in devil culture. culture. Yeah. Well, especially in the devil's <laughs> advocate. I mean, spinning off on another tangent. I mean, it was also that creepy dad and, like, the mom had died. And oh, I don't he, remember that. You don't remember he was, like, rubbing the, the back of his daughter's neck or something like that in the church? And they no. implied that he was having relations with his own daughter. So, I mean, it was, like, a big, like... This is the sinful life of these devils. Yeah. So if you're really, if you like those ancestral movies, just <laughs> Devil's Advocate, right, is 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 the movie for you. And that's it for Devil Movie uh, Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> ancestral devil worshippers, but uh, yeah. So so then, kind of getting back to track on the on the story here, Daphne's father dies. And the mother and her grief starts going to this clairvoyant who is speaking to her deceased uh, husband. And uh, Daphne kind of sees calls bullshit on this right away. She's also a bit of an outcast from her school in that, like, she she dresses black and all in black. So she's one of the first goth kids ever. Oh, wasn't her... goth just, like, more the default back then? I think it's actually kind of weird that the other kids were in, like, these brightly colored frocks in Victorian times. I mean that that's a really good point, Aubrey, because it's like gothic. That's like yeah, literally, literally from that time from. period. <laughs> Maybe if you dressed in bright, colorful clothes, it uh, it, it implied you had more wealth. Because that seems to be a point of um, the girls, this clique, not accepting Daphne. Is that now that her father's died, they don't have any money coming in, so they like tease her about that and kind of that, and that she stares into space, talking to someone who isn't there. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is strange because she was doing that before her quote unquote brother showed up. And then it seemed to get, you know, was she all because she's like, yeah, she's definitely staring off into space when you're introduced mm-hmm. to her. And I thought, oh, so was was the was there a different entity she was talking to before her brother showed up? Maybe just hadn't been fully conceptualized into like a. A being that you could see yet, but she'd right. like it had manifested it. to a voice. Yeah. And once her father had died, it was able to actually be more present because her father mm. wasn't there. And so she needed more of a, a physical presence to actually be in her life. And so she drew upon that voice even more. So during her grief. Yeah. Yeah. And so as the story progresses, her she has like really vivid, terrifying dreams. And her brother, or who he says is her brother shows up and starts to guide her along the way and, and say that she, you know, basically she has these powers to like manipulate reality. 
to a degree. Uh, I love that drawing of when they're on the street together. And uh, he's like, you're not seeing, you're not seeing things as you should be seeing them. And he warps reality for like every, all the people on the street, even creatures like birds become these like terrifying grief monsters or, or I don't know what you would describe them as, but they're, they're horrific. And I did the count and every, this is like attention to detail from Kelly Jones. Every creature and person on the street in that panel is a creature in the next one. Even minor little things. Wow. I was like, wow, that's really cool that he took the time to like keep the count on that. Yeah, that's awesome. He must have had like a separate sketchbook where you just like each one probably had like a name where he knew right. each character. Speaking of his art, uh, again, I, I loved some of the subtle touches and details on every panel. I mean, the the I think the comic opens with her doing some sort of I don't know uh, craft, and it's actually a skull that's formed the the picture of a skull through the cutouts that she's working with. That there's also little I don't know subtle statues like super erotic statues like a devil and a woman you know hinting at her blossoming womanhood which we get into there's just a lot of subtle touches that just kind of like overall just kind of you know creepy in the background like brother kind of infecting the different panels yeah affecting like her her hold on reality and there's times too when they're walking around and the brother's there and 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 you'll see that third shadow or you know his shadow cast without him being present there. Yeah, it's really cool. It's done really well. I really like this one. As the story progresses, we come to realize Mrs. Swarthmore is actually what you initially think is a is she's just you know a crook trying to swindle Mrs. Uh, Burn out of money, but then we come to find out no, they're a part of this cult. Uh, and uh, her Mr. Fleming is like a subservient to to uh, Mrs. Swarthmore. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get our riches. And and Swarthmore tells him, like, no, she doesn't have any money. We're this is a complete we're doing something else. Like, I, I, right. I just kind of I like that turn. It, it could have easily just stayed a story of someone trying to take advantage of a grieving person. But it zigs into this other story that I really liked. Right. No, I agree. It, it definitely, I I was actually confused initially because, I mean, obviously with the schoolgirls, it, it's clear that they don't have enough money. So why would you want to swindle someone who basically has nothing? So yeah, it, it, it was it was a great reveal to see how this became from just simple crooks to like something much deeper, not even just random crooks, but they were fully embedded with the family with the the servant which we find out later was even part of the whole deal and so i mean they had planned for a while to basically have this happen yeah there's a lot of great clues to that so that if you were thinking like oh they're taking advantage of her money then there's this information that you can pick up on where you see that that that's not what they're doing so you as the reader are wondering what is going on which really builds the the suspense for the whole story it's a Every page is very suspenseful. I would say this is like a legitimately scary book. <laughs> oh, for sure. Because it's like, you don't know if it's her losing her grasp on reality. Like, is she slipping into madness? Daphne, I mean. Or is she actually, as we come to find out, a spawn of the devil, <laughs> basically. And, uh, and and I think, it, like, Dennis, like with you saying, oh, no, it was... Uh, like it was actually her releasing, you know, 
a gas back on the occult members. Like, I, I didn't even think about that perspective of, oh, yeah, it could just be she was actually mentally ill and a psychopath and <laughs> killed all these people uh, just just because, you know, uh, well, not just because she was saving her mom, but just took it overboard. But so I think, yeah, I think there's that subtle duality of it could be this or it could be that, uh, which just really makes me appreciate the comic book even more. Yeah, well, even the brother comes to question it near the end. Like, how much of that was an act? Because she said it very convincingly, where she had pretended to be possessed and and said all these things. And, you know, how much of it was an act and how much of it was really who she is, supposedly, a devil spawn. And like you said, Johnny, you know, going back to the devil's advocate, technically Keanu and his sister are spawns of the devil. So maybe this is the son of the devil and then she's the, the daughter of the devil or a, a devil. So at one point, there's a girl... This is towards the end of the story when Daphne and her mom are both trapped in, in this occult house. And there's a girl, Sally, there who's like sort of it starts talking to Daphne. And, and I don't know, maybe not necessarily trying to help her, but sort of quickly has like, She's a, like a, a peer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like they're, they're kind of like bonding because of their age. Mm -hmm. Was that one of the girls from the class? No. Not that I recognize. No. Okay. I, I had to question that as well, though. Yeah, me too. But I definitely didn't see it as bonding. I saw it as this, an extra creepy element because the girl, what was her name, Sally? Yeah, Sally. She was making these like very disconnected observations about like this like torturous experience that Daphne was going through. Mm. Just like, hmm, it probably would hurt to get your eyes cut out. One time my <laughs> eye hurt. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, the splinter. They get this. She got a splinter in her eye. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, near that end, it definitely had a, like, feel to it where, you know, people yeah. were, like, naked, and there's a lot of mix of sex and torture and calling a god and everything like that. Yeah, very culty. Very eyes wide shut. Yes. <laughs> 19th century eyes wide shut. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, it's it's sort of a straightforward story. I wouldn't say simple necessary, but, but pretty straightforward story. Definitely scary. I'm really glad... We read this for the for the listener. <laughs> we had picked out a different book called The Man Who Came Down the Attic Stairs, thinking that it was going to be more. I thought it was going to be more along the lines of this, where mm -hmm. someone's possessed, maybe the devil's involved, or it's a devil spawn, and this occult's trying to bring the end of the earth around because of, through the through this de the devil being born, reborn in a baby. But then we started reading it. And realize, oh no, this is a story about postpartum depression and a spoiler. If you haven't yeah. read the book, it's it definitely worth reading. It's beautifully illustrated. It's a it's a really good story. I just spoiled it for you though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's very, uh, it's just, it's very depressed. It's more depressing than spooky. Like it's more sad oh, than yeah. like spooky fun. Once, I would say it's not fun realize, at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Once you realize what's going on, you're like, oh, my God, this is this is such a heart wrenching story. Yeah. The horrors of life, not yeah. supernatural <laughs> horrors. Yeah. The horrors of grief and life. So, yeah. So we were originally going to read that and we even were all set to go. And then we started texting each other and saying, oh, no, I don't I don't know if we should be reading this as a as a tribute to Halloween. Um, <laughs> 
I, I, we'll save it for Mother's Day, I guess. But uh, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dennis had picked this out. How, how did you hear about this book, Dennis? Well, you know, we needed a new book, so I was trying to explore. I know about Joe Hill's imprint, and so I wanted to explore what he had released, and I came across this book. So yeah. Yeah, it's a great story. I'm really curious what like what what was the uh germination of the story with with Laura Marx like to yeah, to come out of like you were saying at the beginning, it's like she you know, writ, wrote TV shows for like Ray Donovan and The Expanse and The Good Fight and like how such a a departure from contemporary fiction to to write this period piece about the occult and devil and I will say also, though, and this was related to some threads on Twitter that I, I had read. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes women find it hard to enter into the horror genre, not because they have a hard time writing for it, but because of the fandom and such. And it, it fascinates me because why would they, why should they, not why would they, why should they have trouble? I mean, Frankenstein was written by a woman. So, you know, some of the OG horror stories are written by women. So there's no reason why women can't write about horror at all but it's it's fascinating to me sometimes there's that gatekeeping within yeah, the fandom house, house on haunted hill is one of the most famous mm-hmm. horror stories ever is right. written by a woman and so for them uh for you know some fans gatekeeping fans to think like oh well they can't write you know it's the, some of these fans are very set in the mind of like just just like slasher films well and it's and, also and uh final girls that kind of thing centuries of misogyny from the publishing world too yeah yeah i i love that you shared that about laura marks dennis because once you said that it like clicked for me because this is an interesting this is a very easy to read comic like it's the number of pages doesn't necessarily determine how quickly you can get through something but this is something that like the flow is just really good flow and i would say it is like a television flow like it's right got really good stops and starts and it's really easy to set down and pick up again and still like understand where you are and also carrying the suspense throughout the show just like a just like a season of like x files or something right and also unlike uh some comics because this is a limited series it's only six issues i'm sure it's collected into one volume there's no need for extra exposition regarding some kind of lore and as listeners uh know from various other episodes i hate when there's just word vomit where there's <laughs> just you know it could be whatever cool spooky story you want to tell but then there's like this almost a whole page of just written text of like well then this cult did this and because of the god of blah 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 and it's like whatever you know yeah. just let's get to the action more and pictures. that's you know <laughs> that's why yeah we're yeah here. exactly <laughs> We'll understand. We'll absorb what you need us to absorb. Just tell the story. We don't need to read Wikipedia pages about, (laughs) you know, whatever the subject is, which is honestly why, uh, you know, I actually hate. I used to like it sort of, but I really hate something like Ready Player One because after a while I read it, I was like, this reads like a bunch of Wikipedia pages about arcade games connected (laughs) with a story. So like, hey – I, I have to play Space Invaders to finish this level. By the way, did you know Space Invaders was invented and blah, 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 blah. And then oh. it's like, and then I won the game. I was like, what? Oh <laughs> How is it's, this a novel? <laughs> it's funny you're saying that. Right now, I've been reading um, the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. Like He wrote the novel 
oh yeah, the yeah, novelization yeah. of the movie, and it's like that. I'm like, oh boy, man, you're you're a great director. You make great movies, but man, your book, <laughs> it's just a deluge of background information on movies and shit. And I'm just like, dude, I don't fucking care. Just, let's just get to the main characters. I I don't need like there's a two page journey on why um brad pitt's character him going to movies and why he goes to certain movies and you and like reading the book i realized i'm like you don't need any of that information about this character you know he's a guy that's just you know he's just a weird dude who likes to be a stunt man and that stopped because he murdered or likely murdered his wife and then you know his the actor keeps him around because he likes the guy yeah, you know, that stuff stuff like that is great as a bit of trivia or if you're sitting at the bar with the guy, but you don't need to have yeah. all the information. It's like when I go or to like, a record store and having a guy like, hey, what kind what's a good genre or album for this genre? You know, and they'll tell me a general idea, but I don't need to hear like seven years of history of Susie and the Banshees to understand that I need to get this album. Just tell yeah. me, this is the album you should listen to. I don't need to hear, like, oh, yeah, and then the singer had problems with the drummer, and then, you know, they broke up for a little bit, and then they created this side album. And it's like, yeah, I don't need all that. <laughs> I, I'm sure it helps actors get into the character, but... Right, yeah. right. Aubrey, do you, do you uh, recommend the book? Um, Yeah, I recommend it with, uh, I would say, almost kind of a trigger warning in that it is legitimately scary. It's not for kids. And I would say it's also not great if you're like, maybe if you're just in a rough spot, like it's very intense, especially the relationship that she has with the like brother figure. And she it's it's about a young girl who's just always in danger. So just be in the headspace to read about a young girl being constantly in danger and experiencing stuff with cults but um yeah the art is beautiful and the suspense is really well written it has a great flow to it i would probably give it four out of five stars i don't know if you guys do stars <laughs> i just yes, do that do hamburgers there. so hamburgers. <laughs> sorry no no we we do uh occult circles for the halloween yeah. special ah uh, yeah so four, four out, out of five, five pentagrams Four out of five upside down goat heads. Um, <laughs> Metal. No, it's definitely it's definitely intense. And even the the scene with Mr. Brooke, the the oh, he's yeah. Without we'll we'll save that. You should read this. But like, what happens between those two and and the end of it? I was like, oh shit, that's intense and and scary. So yeah, I really like the book. Uh, highly recommended. But once again, as Aubrey said, it's it's not. It's not the trigger warning isn't just about graphic horror content. I mean, this this is actually honestly, you know, a, a journey of a fourteen year old kind of I hate to use the word because it sounds so corny, but blossoming. And, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people who are trying to take advantage of that moment in her life. And yeah. it's 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 horrific on multiple levels. And so there's mm-hmm. some content in there that's actually deeply uncomfortable. And horrifying in a real life sense, not in a supernatural sense, even if you remove the supernatural element. So it's it's something that you do have to be uh, a little more mature to read or at least have someone to bounce some stuff off of, given some of the story beats. But yeah, it's, it's an amazing story. Good read. Definitely something I would highly recommend. 
and it's not it's it's a it's a one, a one shot deal so it's not like you're trying to invest in a whole lore or series or like anything like that i mean who knows maybe they will do a, a sequel but for right now it's one and done all right we'll be back uh in december for our holiday special and then we'll be back in the new year with uh season six of the podcast and um at the time we're recording this we probably went over nineteen thousand total downloads so uh thanks to everyone out there that listens to the podcast we appreciate that nice thanks for uh, letting us waste your time (laughs) with our dumb observations (laughs) (laughs) that's it uh take care and uh we'll see you guys uh in december for our holiday special bye bye bye